Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Powderhorn Guns and Archery, well, they're on board with us this morning, and I am sure that they heard about this letter uh, that Eric Schmidt sent out. Uh, but we're going to just kind of jump into this right away. Uh, Eric Schmidt, uh, the uh, Attorney General for the State of Missouri, writes, It has come to my attention that the Federal Bureau of Investigation has informed several Missouri County sheriffs that they will be showing up in August to quote-unquote audit concealed carry permit holders' records. Uh, the FBI states, quote, the audit includes an on-site review of your concealed carry weapons permits. Let me be perfectly clear. Allowing federal agents from the FBI to have access to records of Missourians who have a permit to carry a concealed weapon violates Missouri law and infringes on our Second Amendment rights. Missouri law specifically prohibits sharing this confidential list with the federal government Enforce, uh, enforcement uh, retained in the concealed carry permit system under a subsection uh, that you wouldn't need to know because it's just a lot of numbers. Uh, the people's elected representatives passed this law after it became known that the Obama administration wanted to know which Missourians had firearms, supposedly, to establish who was entitled to federal benefits. We want to leave no doubt that the citizens of Missouri have a constitutional right to bear arms and the federal government has no business poking around to find out their identities. He goes on to say, I was a state senator when this law was passed and I proudly voted for it. In fact, we deliberately wrote the state law so that only the elected county sheriff had access to the CCW list that you are trying to get. Here in the heartland, we elect our county sheriffs who are members of our uh, communities. Uh, the same cannot be said for you, uh, for your out-of-state, uh, your out-of-touch FBI. A really terrific letter. Chelsea, what do you think? Hey, now. Is, is this, huh? What's my name? Chelsea. There I'm you sorry. Go. It's okay. Chelsea. Well, you know what? Chelsea was in studio a few minutes ago, and she was really good. Uh, and so I remembered her. And I do this to people's names all the time. And Fred, who's sitting with you, he, he won't have any, <laughs> good any complaints at all. Gingy over here. <laughs> what do you think of that letter? Oh, the, the letter's phenomenal. That is fantastic. Um, the FBI coming to look at our list of concealed carry holders is slightly terrifying, but... I mean, that's. I remember when it was held by the DMV and that all leaked, and that was yeah. the whole beginning of this entire issue, you know, and that it, mm, yeah. Yeah. Jordan, what do you think the motive is? Oh, that one I have no idea on actual motive because <clears throat> it's the government. So I always start with money, wanting money for something or, or wanting to withhold spend, giving us money for something. But uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. The question will be. If they show up, will they show up? Where will they show up? And then what is going to happen? I kind of think this has to do, this might have something to do with the Second Amendment Preservation Act uh, and the federal government challenging it in court. Could, I, yeah, it could I, be. I'm not sure that I've put it all together in my head, but I can't <laughs> imagine why. I mean, are they going to... Uh, to Illinois, well, <laughs> two people in <laughs> Illinois. Are they going to Kansas? Are they going to Ohio? Yeah. Uh, 
I don't think so. I think it's just us. And I think it's the Second Amendment Preservation Act. I think they're looking to test the limits. I'm not sure. But it is troublesome. Yeah. And yeah. I'd like to see. I think they might, unfortunately, in the state of Missouri, there are probably a couple sheriffs that they might find that would be cooperative with them. And so the question will come when and if they find someone that says, okay, uh, what what will transpire? Will the attorney general be able to do anything? How long will it be in court? And what will happen? You never know when things go to court what will actually happen. Yeah, we had um, some interviews. I think ABC interviewed uh, our our police chief, I'm not, I, I don't have all the details on this uh, because I missed the interview. But it, it, um, I think it has to do with making the case that somehow they're prohibited uh, from dealing with the federal government, and they're not. By the way, uh, they, the, the, the uh, law enforcement can contact the FBI and say, "Hey, we've got these shells." Uh, from a shooting scene, can you run them through your you know computer see if they've been used anywhere else? Uh, there's no prohibition on that. I don't think law enforcement understand the Second Amendment Preservation Act. I think they're somewhat confused by it. I would 100% agree with that. Especially, <clears throat> I think you have you have confusion, and then until the thing goes through court, you're going to have a lot of um, backroom talks about. Well, when this goes to court, they'll actually blah 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 blah. And so until I think you get some things that go through court, you're not going to have a lot of people believe in it just because of the profession they're in and with other things they've seen it happen in the past. And and uh, it, it's really hard to believe something until it gets tested and how it's really going to work, which is that's the way Missouri is. First, there has to be a standing and then it has to go through court. And eventually that will happen and we'll we'll see how everything Kind of Every, everything dish, yeah, yeah. Because you talk about the St. Louis area, my goodness. If you had to go in front of those prosecutors and uh, those district attorneys and those things like that, I, w- I would be scared as a law enforcement officer. I would like to dedicate this program. Uh, normally, we don't dedicate the gun show to anybody, but I think we should dedicate the gun show this week to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> well, you're laughing, but, but she said, quote, owning guns is not... Owning guns is not a right. If it were a right, it would be in the Constitution. Oh. Perfect. (laughs) There you go. She said it first. Yeah. Which Constitution? It would be in the Constitution. I guess guess that's... She never got past the First Amendment. I'm not sure, but uh, that's what she said. By God, she's using it. Oh. Right to free speech. I'm sure they'll they'll say that arms is not guns. They didn't mean that. They meant literal bare arms. Yes, yes. Sleeveless shirts. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. And and you know that she backs up under the uh, under the flag and puts her hand on the Bible and swears to uphold a document she doesn't even read or understand. It's can she read? Are we sure she can read? Well, it was a government school that she went to, so uh, <laughs> it's hard to know for sure. Jill Biden is Bush. By the way, the Democrats, are they just got through this stupid uh, anti-gun legislation that isn't going to save anybody. Yeah, yes. And, uh, and that was, like, the ink isn't even dry. And the Democrats are passing another uh, anti-gun bill. The, you know, once they get the nose of the camel in the tent, you can be sure you're going to be seeing its derriere in no time at all. 
it's uh, it's it's just it's part of they just they don't give up once they start once it, and this is a problem with the with the conservatives and the libertarians once we win a battle we think we've won the war and we go to sleep but the left once they win a battle or even lose a battle they're back regrouping to come back stronger and harder and it comes back to haunt us and you know they're not done Jill Biden now is pushing a gun ban. She says AR-15s have no place on our streets. I'm proud of what Joe has done in these last two years, from historic investments to reopen schools, to addressing the mental and academic needs of our students, to signing the bipartisan gun bill, and defending women's reproductive uh, health care. I love how they call it health care. To delivering on the promise of loan forgiveness for public servants. Uh, and she goes on to suggest that uh, we need to get rid of these AR-15s. Is it that they don't understand the mechanism of how it works? Is it just the way it looks? What is driving this anti-AR-15 movement? Yeah. <laughs> so, I... See, I'll probably catch some flack for this, but here, here's the real-world implications of this. That gun got cool. That gun got cool for multiple reasons 20 year, about 20 years ago now. Yeah. It got cool with some military happenings around the world. It got cool with a lot of video games. It got cool in movies. Uh, they started producing more of them. You were able to buy more of them. They got out, and it has. And they got even, cheap. Even for gun people, it has a, that's cool. Just feeling about it. It's just it's just that cool. Well, anytime that happens, then the other side is going to have that opposite feeling about a certain thing, and uh, it is the it is the Corvette, it is the Ferrari, it's the thing that's easy to look at, it's the thing that's easy to quantify visually, not if in writing. If you like it, if you yep. like it, they hate it. It yes. seems to me that that's that's, <laughs> yeah, the that's exactly direction right. that we're going. Yep. All right, listen, we're up against the clock. We're going to have to take a quick break, but we're going to come back. Uh, Kelsey and Jordan and Chelsea and Fred, all four of us uh, on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Kelsey and Jordan on board Powderhorn Guns and Archery. <laughs> Do you know that Brian literally t tried to get me to to screw up on the name? Oh, well. he, Yeah, before the show, he, he comes. Go. Yeah, he's, he's literally injecting the wrong words in there. But I uh, I wouldn't let him get away with that. I, I knew it was Powderhorn guns and archery. Listen, uh, the uh, porcine pile of poo, Michael Moore, has decided that, that we should have an amendment to the Constitution uh, that reads, quote, the, inal the inalienable, that's not easy to say at this hour, the inalienable right of a free people to be kept safe from gun violence and the fear thereof must not be infringed and shall be protected by the Congress and the states. This amendment thus repeals and replaces the Second Amendment. Uh, Section 2 calls for mandatory firearm registration, licensing, strict background check to include approval from family, friends, and co-workers, as well as a mental health check. Section 3 speaks about the requirement for gun safety courses and testing on an annual basis. It, it, it's, it's a lengthy one. We, Section 4 sets an age requirement of 25, Five and six call for Congress to update a list of 
approved firearms as well as regulate ammunition. Section 7 wants police monitored for racist or violent behavior. And finally, Section 8 says people who own firearms but who now are disqualified from owning them under this amendment must surrender them a month from ratif ratification. Well. Sweet. To the point, no? Seems, seems super easy. Fair. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to be enforcing, especially uh, Section 8. Well, yeah, because now they're saying all people that are disqualified. Isn't that the goal? Is all people are disqualified? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, but um, I'm 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 thinking we send uh, Jordan to go collect those guns. <laughs> He's mean enough. God dang. Well, you, you can't hire anybody to do anything right now. So I'm I'm thinking about the 1.7 million positions you just created in the federal <laughs> government by saying what you said, and I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. You're gonna have 30 applicants. Oh, so it might take and a they're while. They're all gonna be 19 year olds. <laughs> With sweet gun collection. Yeah, I'm not going to... Yeah. But, yeah. It's... Um, hey. I, I wonder what the country would even look like if these lunatics got their way. Anarchy. Well, <laughs> it's just... Jeez. They just, they just don't stop. No. He's an entertainer. He is what he is. He's making an image for himself. Oh, well, he's got an image, all right. <laughs> Jeez. You could... You could show a movie on the side of his... Well, never mind. Lumpy. Lumpy? Is Lumpy. that what you... Lumpy. <laughs> Lumpy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, all right. Uh, this, uh, uh, you know, conversation about gun control is ongoing. It is never going to end. Uh, but we can talk a little bit about uh, ammunition and guns. I am told that uh, gun sales are beginning to slow down. Uh, and it it might be you know just because of the action that uh, that that happened in Texas in Uvalde it it could be a number of uh, other shootings or it could be just the economy uh, so I'm curious to see are are they slowing down a little bit Yeah they've I mean we've seen it slow down since beginning of May I guess but that's normal that's you know, May, June, even July are not our busiest months, especially on the gun side. Now we're starting to actually, we're starting to see a little bit of an uptick um, on our end, at least. A lot of that is the hunting community starting to get ready. Um, mm -hmm. The guys going out west, because a lot of that starts in August. So we're, we're hitting the wall on that stuff. Um, we're starting to see availability again on stuff that we hadn't for the last couple of years. So, like, a lot of the higher-end hunting rifles are coming back in stock. Um, we're starting to get ammo for that stuff again, which is helping push sales back up. But I don't I don't think it's related to the events that have occurred. I think it's just economic and that time of year. I've heard reports of people going to pawn shops to pawn things just so they can fill their gas tanks. So, you yeah. know, if you can't... If you can't put gas in your car to go to work, uh, you're not going to go out and buy a lot of anything. In, in 2021, we overspent on firearms. I mean, it was there's a lot of things, uh, you know, happening that made regular folk go, "Holy cow! I need one, two, or three guns." And there was a lot of money being injected into people's uh, bank accounts. So I think you did a year and a half to two years worth of business in, gosh, 12 months. And so I think we're starting to see the back end of that, where the people that naturally would have bought during this time frame, well, 
they all rushed into 2021 and bought the things they need to buy. And now we're just we're just catching up with that a little bit, especially on like the concealable firearm side. Yeah. So now would be the best <laughs> best time to get a deal. There are on some a deals concealable yeah, firearm. That's yeah. yeah. We're starting to see, you know, not even just like retailers like ourselves, but our wholesalers, manufacturers, they're starting to put together packages trying to get stuff to move again. Yeah, with 9% inflation, we actually got pretty stable prices and some reductions. So. Yeah. Did we ever think we would see this day again? <laughs> we knew it would happen. It just, I mean, well, you know, we knew it would take two and a half years, but that's yeah, not when you're <laughs> When you're in the midst of it, and every gun show that we host, somebody calls up and says, hey, have you got, you know, ammunition? Uh, or can you get any hand... Every single show... That we've done for the last two years, somebody has asked that question of our guests, and finally we're, you know, we're on the other side of all that. Yeah. For the most uh, it, part, yeah. Yeah, I think for, we, for the most part, there's still some. Uh, it we're still seeing backlogs on like hunting ammo, which is really interesting. Um, that stuff kind of takes a backseat to the more defensive slash NATO NATO spec stuff. Um, like I, I just got forty five seventy ammo in for the first time in literally three years. Really? Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's that's a and long dry spell. Well, and it's not like forty five seventy is uncommon. We probably sell twenty guns a year when we can get them in forty five seventy. But it's just it takes a backseat. It's not you know, it's not a number one seller. So. Well, yeah. If you're if you're in the business of manufacturing things, uh, you're gonna sell. You're gonna make what's hot first. Right. You want to sell. You want to manufacture what you'll sell billions of pieces of, not hundreds of thousands or millions. What uh, What's going on with archery at this point in the, in the year? Is we, there? <laughs> we are less than sixty days away, sure. so we're that's picking up hot and heavy. Um, I just placed two string orders back to back that were over ten pieces, like ten sets a piece. So people are starting to jump on that really well, um, which we appreciate. Get that done now. It makes everybody's life no, a no. lot easier. Wait until the last minute. Please and don't then... wait until October. Um. All right, hang on. We'll we'll finish the update on archery. Uh, Heritage Foundation's filing a House ethics complaint about a congresswoman's intentional defaming of a Second Amendment witness. We'll get into all of that and more on Gary on Guns. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Kelsey and Jordan in from Powderhorn Guns and Archery. Uh, I wanted to get this audio and and play it. It is from NBC, uh, and it, uh, it it directly relates to the Second Amendment Preservation Act here in the state of Missouri. Uh, and in particular, it even relates to uh, Columbia. Uh, this is uh, from NBC uh, News. September 2019 in Columbia, Missouri. Five murders in just 10 days. Police, led by Chief Jeff Jones, formed a task force with the ATF to fight back. We were getting lead after lead after lead, and we were solving gun crime after gun crime after gun crime. But that stopped after Missouri passed a law called the Second Amendment Preservation Act. We had to pull out. We had to stop working with the ATF to avoid litigation. The legislation, which took effect in 2021, bars police from enforcing federal gun laws that aren't already on the books in Missouri and allows citizens to sue police departments if they do for $50,000 each time. So there is nothing in this law that says that Chief Jones or the police can't go to the federal government and ask for help solving a gun crime. You, if I shoot somebody and and they 
they've got the shells from the gun, and they want to find out if I, you know, if this gun was used in another crime, and who might have. They have. There's no restraint on that. Am I right on this, uh, Jordan? I mean, I think the law is written that way that <clears throat> you would draw that conclusion. I don't think it's widely understood in that. And second, once it becomes your livelihood, your job, your your police chief, a police officer, whatever, you don't fully believe what people are going to tell you until you see it because someone gets to decide and as soon as someone allows is you, you do not long, no longer have that affirmative defense of well, you can't sue me for this um you you get scared you're not going to walk the line you're going to you're going to walk 40 yards behind the line and and that's what we're seeing until it gets proven and i mean it is what it is yeah i, I think that's not something they have to do but mm, that's the way the world works well you know it 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 is, I would argue, uh, pretty clear that uh, it, it, it says uh, local law enforcement officers have never had jurisdiction or the lawful authority to enforce federal laws. That only happened when they're assigned to a federal task force and they're deputized. They temporarily become uh, federal uh, officers. Uh, this from a friend of mine who, who knows the, uh, the law pretty well, Dale Roberts. So, you can't, you know, if, if there's a federal gun law that's violated, the federal government can come in and, and investigate and prosecute. But if it's, um, you know, investigating a crime, a shooting or an assault or whatever, local law enforcement can go to the federal government. I don't understand... How it is that that isn't clear? I think especially in the beginning there was a lack. <clears throat> there wasn't quite enough. <laughs> Excuse me, I can't talk. Stand by. I, I'm not sure that there was a enough face-to-face -face talking with, I mean, the hundreds and hundreds of police chiefs and sheriffs we have. Uh, there wasn't enough face-to-face -face talking and understanding. And that would have been a major prospect to train everybody and to get through all of their concerns and try to answer them in a way they uh, appreciate and understood. I, it, I just don't think there was enough of that. Now, I was not in law enforcement at that point, but talking to all of my friends and, and family that still were, it, it was a lack of understanding. And that, of course, is what the opponents of it made it out to be. And so you start to hear that you start to not know which one's true, boom, you're kind of stuck in this little thing. And that was years ago. I don't know what his current feeling is on it. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he's been able to be rectified on on his misconceptions. Well, you would, you would think that law enforcement would go to the legislators and ask them for clarification, get the information, and know what it is that they're doing. Uh, if not, contribute to the, uh, to the uh, construction of the legislation. The interview goes on. And of course, uh, you know they're not going to point. Uh, they're not going to paint anything uh, in in a favorable light about the Second Amendment Preservation Act. Here's more of the interview. It means that parts of the recent gun control legislation passed in Congress may not be enforceable in Missouri. Do you think right now the federal government is jeopardizing Second Amendment rights here in the state of Missouri? Yeah, absolutely. It's no longer hypothetical. It's no longer, well, we don't want to take your guns away. No, they're, they're saying we want to take away AR-15s. They are wanting to take guns away. State Rep. Jared Taylor co-sponsored the bill. He says police can still work with federal partners to enforce state law. 
we are holding our law enforcement accountable. They aren't federal resources. They're Missouri resources. We spoke to the police chief in Columbia, and he says this makes his job harder to go after violent criminals with guns. Yeah, I, I disagree. I don't think that this bill in any way stops him from doing his job. But Chief Jones says the law is vague. And across the state, some agencies have put new limits on their use of federal resources, including machines like this that compare shell casings using a federal database. These police officers come to work every day to keep people safe. But they're trying to interpret a broadly worded, in my opinion, poorly worded law that no one can agree what the boundaries are. The Department of Justice is suing, accusing Missouri of trying to invalidate federal statutes. It's a battle over states' rights that could end up on the steps of the Supreme Court. The Constitution clearly puts an avenue in place for the state to push back, which is exactly what we're doing. On a stoop in St. Louis where gunshots keep people up at night, a federal courtroom seems very far away. Behind me, down the street, up the street, around the corner, it's always very close to my house. And you hear it? And I hear it, yes. In the last two years, Tanya McCall has lost three family members to gun violence. The state legislators is not paying attention to a neighborhood like mine because they're steady passing these dangerous policies and putting the laws in place. Chief Jones is angry about the violence and the state law. Do you think this law makes people less safe? It does make people less safe. There's no doubt about it. Stephanie joins me now. Is Missouri the only state with this kind of law on the books? It is, unless in the last year or so, three states have passed similar legislation that carries civil penalties for public officials who violate them. Wyoming, Tennessee, and Arkansas. It's a battle over gun control for sure, but it is also a battle over states' rights. All right, Stephanie Goss, thanks so much. So, I, I, I just, I fail to see the confusion. Maybe what I need to do is invite Chief Jones on the program and Dave Rowland, who helped craft this law, to explain what the limits are and aren't. You know, we've got uh, a, a state law that uh, prohibits uh, having fully automatic weapons, so law enforcement can pursue people who illegally possess them. We've got all, you know, very similar laws in many respects to the federal government's laws. But if you want them to be prosecuted under federal law, then the federal government has to do it. I failed to see Chelsea, Kelsey, sorry. Uh, Fred, don't laugh. Uh, I, I failed to see why this isn't better understood. I think it was a lot of miscommunication and misdirection, like Jordan was saying in the beginning. Um, you hear conflicting reports, you hear conflicting sides, and people just don't know who to believe. And it, it does, I mean, when you put it that way, you got to think felons in possession is still illegal in the state of Missouri. Murder is still illegal in the state of Missouri. It's not, you know, it's it's fairly cut and dry on aspects like that, um, which is, you know, a but, you very know, solid portion of what's, what if they're I, trying to fight. If I own a bump stock in the state of Missouri, local law enforcement aren't going to try to take it or arrest me or punish me for it. Correct. The federal government can. Correct. But the state won't. So, I mean, that is perfectly clear. And, and here's, your, here's where I'm going to defend Mr. Jones for a second. Um, and the problem is, let's say I know that, uh, that Billy is a bad guy. Mr. Billy, we'd known Billy. Gosh, I wish I could get Billy off the streets. 
and now I here in Columbia know that Billy has a bump stock. Wouldn't it be grand if I could do something about that to get him off the streets and in jail? You want every little when, when you're trying, when you truly are trying to get Billy off the streets, you don't care what you can charge him with. You just try to find things you can charge him with to get him off the street because Billy's kind of smart. Billy, Billy's been through the system before. And so you, you feel that loss of the ability to go, oh, that's a federal crime. Let me, let me get the ATF. If this is right, let me get the ATF. Let them come in and they can arrest Billy on a federal crime for having this. And then, and now I think the understanding might be or the misconception or maybe it's true that i can no longer contact the atf to help me get billy off the streets my hands are tied this sucks the problem is that if you can use that arbitrarily to get billy off the street you can use that arbitrarily to get me off the street and that is the you know that there's a reason stop and frisk worked there's a reason that it made crimes less but it also led to personal violations and it led to overuse and that is always the that is always the fight. So a you know that that great good officer always wants the tools, and we trust him to not overuse. But it never works out that way, and that's yeah. the <laughs> that is the free society we live in. Well, and, it is that potential for abuse that uh, th- that uh, was the driving force between uh, for the Second Amendment Preservation yeah. Act. Uh, I'm going to turn this over and. Uh, let Brian take it away from here because we've got some important messages. But we're going to come back and chat more about guns on Gary on Gun. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, Powderhorn Guns and Archery on board with us. Kelsey is in with Jordan and Biden's second choice to head up ATF has been approved. Uh, it, it, you know, it's what's interesting about this, Kelsey, is that a couple of Democrats uh, actually... Uh, were opposed to this nomination, um, yet yet a couple of Republicans uh, helped offset it, uh, and that is so disappointing. Uh, what do we know about this guy? Do you know anything about him? I do not personally, Jordan. I don't watch the news. It makes me mad. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I know it can't be good. Like, there's no way. It it just the way the ATF's going right now. There's. It has definitely shifted. The <clears throat> mission of the ATF, as far as our industry goes, has definitely shifted over the last year to the fact that we've had to change and protect ourselves a little bit more in the last 12 months because of their new goal. And it is not a secret. Their new goal is to remove as many FFL holders as possible. They're, I mean, they went after gun stores. They're still doing it. Yeah. Uh, you don't dot an I or cross a T, and they're coming down on you guys and, and closing up shop. Yep. Uh, and they're active here in central Missouri. They're, oh, they're yeah. really, really pushing it. And, and most of the auditors that come around, still really good people. But you can tell that they are, it's a job. They're doing a job, and they're getting pushed to take things further. And to shift from trying to teach to more of a gotcha role. 
and it's it has definitely shifted. There, there's absolutely no doubt. I've been through these things for 15 years now, and it's I, the same people. Like yeah. the the inspectors are all we've had the same people yeah. for years and years and years. <laughs> the people didn't change. It's yeah. It's what they're hearing from the top down has changed, and it's there's a lot of vague rules that uh, do not have. Um, written standards you know you talk about straw purchase that's the big one everybody hears about straw purchase when you go in and you buy that gun for billy um for whatever reason then you give it to billy knowing billy can't have a gun that that's a straw purchase but some of those guys are smart and here's the question is if if billy tries to come in and get that gun he gets denied on a on an acme one two three fine well 30 days later someone that lives on billy's street that knows billy comes in and buys that acme one two three well, now the ATF is coming to us and said, well, you should have recognized and made more questions because they live on the same street as Billy, and they ended up buying the same gun Billy tried to buy. Why didn't you know that and follow that? Are you serious? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm 100% serious. And there's no written time frame for me keeping track of that. Like, How do you how do you even remember that or they associate say, it? They say you're just supposed to talk about it. You're supposed to talk about it with your staff, and everybody should be known when everybody gets denied. And you should know. Now, I should say denials are pretty rare. Maybe yeah. 30, 40 a year in our biggest stores. So they're, they're pretty rare. And my question was, well, how long? How long do I need to know this? I mean, I get if it's the next day and someone with the same last name or the same address comes in. You should at least be cognizant enough to try to catch that. However, there is no time frame written in that. So I'm like, if it's 30 days, is it? Am, am I clear? Because people would understand, oh, man, it's been 30 days. What if it's been six months? What if it's been a year? And there is nothing there. And I'm afraid they're going to try to use some of that area to catch you. Um, they're really paying attention to denies. It was a couple years ago they redid the form. And the reason they redid the form um, is they put the gun information first, that they require that all the gun information be filled out before the customer fills out anything else. And one of the big driving factors behind that was so that on denials, they would know what gun it was. Because in the last section, you didn't have to put the gun stuff in. It didn't require it if they got denied because you, you were having them fill it out. You were calling it in. You were, you were doing all the other information before you ever even got to what gun you were selling. And on those forms, you never had to put it in. Well, they wanted to know so that they can do exactly what they're doing now and then track. And they wanted to know everybody that got denied, I had to show them where that gun ended up going. Whether it was a day later, a week later, a year and a half later, or I still had it. I had to show them for every denial we had. I had to show them where that gun went. And that has never happened before. That is a new thing that is happening. And I think that that's where they're really trying to, to catch you. Um, and, and California and, is doing something really bizarre. Uh, apparently, uh, the governor signed, uh, Newsom signed this bill. And in into the next check... You've got to sort of have a crystal ball. Uh, you've got to check their social pages and see if there's any reason not to sell a firearm. And, you know, I've, every one of you that have come through on this uh, program, I've asked, is, has anybody ever come into the store and you just looked at him and said, nah, I, I, I don't feel safe selling him a gun. And every one of you have used your judgment to, to do that. But in California, you've got to go beyond you know, your gut instinct and the Knicks check. And you apparently have to do what they're calling, uh, I guess, due diligence. 
uh, I guess maybe check their Facebook pages, their Twitter accounts. Uh. <laughs> Things that are illegal to employ them. Correct. I cannot go do in the state of California. <laughs> so if I want to hire them, I cannot go to their Facebook page. I cannot check their accounts because that would be prejudiced. I'm not allowed to do that. But now I can do it for a constitutionally guaranteed right. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know. I, I had a conversation with Dave Rowland about this. We, we didn't exactly agree on it. Um, but I, I don't think that the federal government has the right or the state government has the right to tell somebody in your business, you know, go check their background on, uh, on their social pages and find out what their neighbors have to say about them. How about, how about you do it? We're paying you the money. Yeah. They, yeah. They don't want the liability because they know that that's so abstract to try to see something. They, they want it to be on. Well, I think the that's the point. Yeah. Because it's all subjective, and, and, and there's uh, you know really no way, you don't have a crystal ball. Uh, somebody comes in and appears perfectly normal, and a month later they, you know, they crash and burn. You're held responsible. I think it's to drive gun dealers out of business in California, because you'll be able to sue them all the time. We're up against the clock. Quick break. We'll be right back. It's Gary on Guns.